Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to Red Pill Your Healthcast. I am Dr. Charlie Fagenholtz here with Lauren Johnson, nurse practitioner, a very holistic one. And so we have been doing quite a bit of podcasts on things that start with vax and end with innations. And we had a lot of people reach out and talk about, okay, so now what do we do? We just listened to what you guys had to say. And I don't feel guilty because you guys said not to feel guilty because we don't think you should ever feel guilty. You just don't know what you don't know. until so you find out you didn't know it, but now you're thinking, okay, now what do I do? Where do we go from here? And that's what this episode is going to be about. So before we start about what, what I find clinically and what Lauren has seen, let's talk about one of the things that someone reached out to me on Instagram and asked was, how do you not give into the peer pressure of being in your medical doctor's office and they're pushing vaccines on your children? Lauren, what do you think? So I think it is it it takes you knowing and understanding why you are not giving certain vaccinations. And so I do think going back through our previous episodes and knowing why, like why does tetanus not apply to you? Why does pertussis not apply to you? Um, why are you not or why are you not concerned about it? Um, or why are you more concerned about what's in the vaccines, um, than you are about what, you know, what measles causes in the body. And so I think it's knowing for each one. And then, so I, I say, start there. Like I, you know, I can never make that decision for you. No, none of us, neither one of us can, we can't make that decision for you. But what we can say is I want you to have the information at your fingertips so that you understand and know why you are getting that vaccine and why it was started in the first place. Um, and, and so I think that's one thing I think when you talk to them, when you're in the office, they're going to be saying things like this could really harm your child. Um, this could put your child at increased risk for death. Um, that's something that is commonly there. They commonly threaten death, um, with these types of things. And, and that just doesn't seem to even be rational. So at that point, like you kind of have to understand that they're not, they haven't, they haven't learned about the history of each vaccine. So knowing that in school, we are not taught the history of each vaccine, what's in it, the side effects, the risk factors. We are not taught any of that. We are taught the schedule. And so go at it when you're in the conversation with them, go at it from the point of they are taught the vaccine schedule and that is it. So then yes. say, I think the first thing is say, okay, what vaccine are they due for today? Okay. They are due for DTAP. Um, okay. So can you tell me like what, what that vaccinates them against? Okay. Um, what are all the ingredients? Can we look up the, uh, the vaccine insert so that I know like what the ingredients are? I would just like to be prepared. Um, and I think it's important to be respectful. I don't think getting in a shouting match or like getting really, um, you know, super charged over it is going to be helpful because it is it that that ends up, you know, pr providers end up getting really defensive. Um, yes. and so I, you know, I don't want you, and then that can make you, that can definitely make you feel more on the defensive and more emotional. And that will not help anyone, um, is, is so I would start with being calm and just asking questions, just saying like, Hey, I just want to know, like, I'm not opposed to the idea of a vaccination against diphtheria or pertussis or tetanus, but I want to understand like what's in it, what are the side effects and what do I need to be looking out for in my child? Just as you would want me to know if you were giving me a medication for my child. Um, and I think kind of saying like, this is, this is, 
isn't this what, you know, informed consent is about? Like it is about me understanding what the risk factors are when you, when something is happening to my body. And I think just coming at it very gently in that way is, is a, is a really good way to start. So asking for the side effects, asking for the ingredients, um, asking, Hey, do you have the vaccine insert? Like I, I know they do because they keep them in the office. They have the, they have the boxes. So like, do you have the vaccine insert? I would love to see it and look over that while I'm waiting for your nurse to come back in. Like, I mean, something, you know, something like I would love to just sit there and look over it. And then when you see, oh, look at the side effects or look yep. at the ingredients, you can say, well, what about this? And, and you know, like this just makes me not feel so um, so comfortable with this one. Um, what are your thoughts on this? And, and, and it's going to take time and they're going to get frustrated and just be prepared for that and just say, okay, look, I'll take this home or, or I can, can you copy it so I can take it home? Or can, I, can you tell me where I can find it online? And then, um, and then I'll go home and think about it and I'll call back with, with questions. Or a lot of times I'll let you email back with questions. Um, I think that if you go back like that, like vaccine insert side effect, knowing like actually making an informed decision um and then knowing why or why you would need it gives you that strength gives you that knowledge gives you that like that standing that you can stand firm on what you are saying if they are being emotional if they are yelling if they are threatening death that might not be the provider for you um yeah. so you know what i mean yeah that i am i echo all of that i I want to definitely reemphasize that Western medicine in general. Now there's some, some people who practice it who are not like this, but it is reactive medicine in its, uh, in its nature, which reactive medicine is a fear-based model. It is not from a heart space, so to speak. And I'm not trying to get all airy fairy and stuff, but there is a lot of truth to that. And so one of the things that I like that you said, Lauren, was that the provider might not be the right provider for you. There's lots of providers out there. So uh, like for us, what we did is we just fired pediatricians. Like that's what we do. That's what my wife and I do because, um, we just couldn't find any of them that were along the same lines as we thought. And so, um, but in Tennessee, so, we have found them. So, okay. So you have found pediatricians. Yeah. So or we have, the, we have the other thing so, I was going to say is to look for like a family medicine pr pr uh, practitioner. Yes. Family docs tend to be more open-minded. Um, there is a Google uh, form. Dr. Green mom has it on her, um, in her link in her bio. It's a list of providers that are open-minded. Um, yep. And I think it's important to mention that. Um, and so I yeah. can't vouch for all those providers. I'm not recommending them, but those are the ones that have been compiled that are open-minded. So look for, um, look for, um, look for family docs, look for pediatricians on that list, on that um, Google form. And then, um, and then there's other ways that you can get wellness visits, right. That can check the height and the weight and to make sure they're growing according to, you know, there are other uh, forms of practitioners that that would count as well. Yeah. And, and if you go to a chiropractor or an acupuncturist or some type of holistic practitioner, ask them if they have any recommendations in your local area too. They, a lot of times they will have a couple recommendations, um, and uh, that would be a, a good place to start. Yeah, that's a great idea. Or on any like holistic or like crunchy mom Facebook group, that mm. a lot of times they'll have good recommendations or at least they've been through it. And so they know like at least where not to go. Uh, yep. And so I do think I wanted to like put a little caveat in me personally. I feel like it is important to have an established relationship with a provider, whether mm. it be a chiropractor, naturopath, family doc, 
I think it is important to have a paper trail. Um, and it, in, in today's world, if something were to ever happen, your child were to need to be hospitalized for whatever reason, it is important that they know where they can get records from your child. And it, once you're in the hospital, like you, there are things that I don't want you to be fearful. Like, and so it is important. I feel like to have a paper trial, to have an established relationship with a provider, um, whether that be, you know, you know, different, different specialties or whatnot. Um, and so I don't want to put you in a situation of feeling like you have to go to a conventional pediatrician because I don't think that is a must at all. But I do think finding like a family provider, finding someone that is open-minded is, is important. Absolutely. So, all right. So you crushed that question. That was a really good answer. Yeah. Let's move along. And do you want to start out about, uh, pre-vaccine stuff, or do you want to do go right into the post? Let's do pre-vaccine. I think that makes sense. Um, okay. So working at the body. So say you are going, you have to, for whatever reason, or you want to, or whatever it is, you're th- you're going to get a vaccine. What would you have them do beforehand? Yeah. So I had a lot of, quite a lot of this in California after obviously everyone now, if you've been listening, you know about the Nuremberg code being broken in California for the first time since the concentration camps. Um, and so I had parents who literally had no options that they said, I mean, this is all emotional reality too, um, but they had to send their kids to a public school or a school that required vaccines. So what could they do? Now, this is off of my clinical experience. This is what I found when I was in California. Um, and so I didn't read about this anywhere. You might be able to read some of this online if you kind of search for it. But the biggest things that I was finding was that the body really needed open drainage pathways it needed a really good antioxidant count. So whether that is vitamin C, vitamin A, vitamin E, selenium, zinc, things like that, uh, essentially they needed their glutathione increase. So a lot of times I was giving uh, glutathione or glutathione enhancers like broccoli sprout or NAC. Um, And think about it. We've talked about vaccines and this kind of goes with pre and post. So some of this is going to overlap, but it's always good to hear it twice. So Remember, we were talking about the ingredient in vaccines that no one had any idea what it was, and then it was illegal in other countries. And the um, the main action of it was to rip apart your cell membrane to get the vaccine ingredients into your cells. So yeah. that's ripping apart the membrane. Well, what builds the membrane is essential fats. So I would find a lot of cod liver oil needed yeah. to be used. And so- how much do you give to children just so that they like, there's a lot of information out there. I can tell you how much I give, but how much I was, give? I was giving between one and three grams a day of cod liver oil to children. Yeah. Okay. I right. mean, this is, this is remember what we said, people vaccines are like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I am heavy hitting because I want to give you the best possible chance possible. And so I was going up to one to three grams a day of cod liver oil. Um, for the the amount of vitamin C and all that stuff was, was ranging quite a bit. Uh, but then, uh, yeah, I, I was, but I was using more of the ascorbates. I wasn't using as much ascorbic acid. I was doing a little bit of liposomal because it was a liquid right. and it's much easier for children. Right. Um, so I was using quite a bit of that. Um, and I don't give a whole bunch of calcium, but I was in this instance. So the three main nutrients 
that I was really looking at was essential fats, vitamin C and calcium levels along. Those were like the main three that I would always check. And then I would make sure that you had enough B vitamins to be able to methylate, right? Because if we're not methylating, then we are um, at a loss of detoxification ability. And that goes with glutathione because methylation produces glutathione. Right. Um, and and then vitamins yeah. with children, how do you tend to recommend to do that? I was using capsules for, well, are you talking about like how to administer it? Well, no, just like what, what form do you use? Uh, well, a lot of them were capsules. So I would just, uh, break them open and put them in a smoothie or something like that. I would try to do as much liquids as I could. Cause it would be the easiest. Did you like the Inspire Cell? I know you like that for methylation. I did. I like the Inspire Cell. I really liked one. Um, I used three of them for Vervita. So I did Inspire Cell. I used Matrix Synergy because that had echinacea, uh, that had calcium, flax, and ascorbate vitamin C and some magnesium and manganese. And then I also used Immune Armor for the spleen and lymph tissue. And it also has our spleen and thymus tissue. It also has lymph tissue in there. So I was using those three quite a bit on top of cod liver oil. And then I would check glutathione as well. Okay. 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 I'm just trying to like, so like, this is what this look, this is what this would look like because yeah. there's so many products out there on the market and it's so hard. Like if you're like, if you're coming at this from like, a, just like, you know, your mom at home or your dad at home, you're just trying to figure out what would a protocol be. Um, this is what it would be. Obviously you need to check with your provider, discuss these things, um, and look at, you know, dosing for children is typically, at least a fourth of what an adult would get, um, if not less, like it just depends on what it is. And so you really need to be aware of that. And just to know that like you, you have to move slowly with children and um, they are not small adults. And so, um, just to be mindful of that. Yes, I agree with all of that. So those would be the main things that I did. Um, and then is there anything else you want to add to the, the pre, um, the vitamin C, I think it's the biggest thing. Um, you know, I do think the doing Epsom salt baths, like right after doing a mm -hmm. paste on top of, um, the, the injection site, like you could do a bentonite clay, you could put a binder topically, um, to something like that. And then doing Epsom salt baths that will help with glutathione production as well as magnesium, um, which is replaced in the body by aluminum, which we know are in a lot of vaccines. And so I do think things like that, some topical magnesium lotion beforehand wouldn't be a bad idea or even during or the same day or, or and, and afterwards just yep. to help the body to clear um, some of that, uh, that aluminum. Yeah. Was, and yeah, go ahead. I was going to say silica, um, you know, that's something that is helpful for aluminum. So like drink it instead of doing um, like with water, even just doing like Fiji water because it has silica, right? Yep. Yep. I, so um, Fiji water is actually what my mentor always said, always muscle test the best of all the, uh, in-store brands. It's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's one that I tend to get, um, because it, it doesn't have fluoride. And, um, if I need something like that, then I'll grab that. Uh, yep. but it, I like that it has silica. Yep. And, um, back to talking about the, the three supplements that I use, the Inspire Cell, the Matrix and the Immune Armor. I liked it because it had most of the nutrients that we needed in three simple products. And yeah. so it, it made it uh, utilizable. Obviously we needed a little more from, I gave more uh, cod liver oil. I gave a little more glutathione usually, yeah. uh, especially for, for young ones, because it's just easier to do a liquid glutathione than it is to take a bunch of NAC and, you know, all that yeah. type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and again, like, you know, you and I talk on Instagram that we don't give glutathione a whole bunch, but 
this is a different ball game. Yeah. And by now people know uh, our stance on a lot of this and how intense it can be. So, you know, this is heavy hitters and we need to really do the best we can uh, with what we are able to give. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, it is one of those things that's an acute situation doing something yep. acute like this is different than giving it to them daily. Uh, yeah. And so I think that's, that's important. Yep. All right. So, um, so now people are listening and they're saying, okay, well, I've, uh, vaccinated my child up until three years old, up until one years old, up until seven years old, where do I go from here? And one of the things that I will start out and preface is a lot of this stuff carries over between pre and post. But one thing that I feel like a lot of people don't talk about is I find clinically that a lot of times the body has to get rid of all the chronic yeast first. Okay. And the reason why I say that is because what's one of the first jabs that people get hepatitis B vaccine mm -hmm. that is yeast derived. That is literally derived from a fungus. So and you're you know in funny that when I started giving my daughter's binders, that is the first thing I saw come out. Um, yep. yeast. Yeah. And so we have this deep rooted fungal infection and by nature, yeast is a natural chelator. What that means is that it will pull on metals. So if we immediately just try to get these heavy metals and um, chemicals out of the system and we don't address the yeast, it could be a tug of war and it can really give a lot of Herxheimer reactions and a lot of negative reactions. So what I always did first was I would uh, muscle test and I would test what's the heaviest or the highest um, toxicity in the body. And a lot of times it would show as a yeast issue first, and I would go after the yeast. Now, um, there's many different herbs that I would use. Uh, a lot of people who follow me on Instagram know I talk about uh, berberine a lot and Chinese skullcap in the form of scutellaria. Um, and I also liked spore biotics for this reason. Sac Bilardi was a great one to add. Um, yeah. but I, I found that if you, if you got rid of the yeast first, yeah. then the metals came out easier. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. Um, so like when I'm talking about a probiotic or even Saccharomyces boulardii, I start with like a little bit of the powder. It, you don't need much, especially on a probiotic. You don't want to give too much at one, even for adults, you don't want to give a ton initially. Cause you want to work up to, you want to work up to where they, they might be. You start very slowly, especially on little ones. Um, yes. cause it can cause bloating and, and, um, just uncomfortable GI symptoms. So you wouldn't want that. Um, so I do. Yeah. I, I love those types of things starting there. And I think that's a good gentle way to, to help with the body with the yeast. Yep. And, and, um, the, I would find that the younger the, um, patient was the more they tested for homeopathics. Okay. Okay. So what yep. type of homeopath homeopathics did you use? So I didn't use, um, well, the one that we, you and I have talked about is Thuja. Yeah. Thuja is a very good one for any vaccine, not just for, um, for yeast issues, but I would use homeopathics that were combined with many different remedies. It wasn't just okay. classical homeopathy. So I used one called detoxode yeast fungus quite often. Um, uh, that's from, uh, HSV, I think homeovitics, maybe I can't remember. I think it was HSV. If you, if you send me some of the links, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, okay. Um, that way we can at least, cause some of these things are easy to find. I know to look at the link in your bio, but then the, yep. that might be one that you haven't talked about yet. So no, I haven't. And there's also another company called professional, uh, professional formulas. 
and yeah. they make ones for literally they're called childhood vaccine detox. Um, okay. I would use that quite often. Yeah. And that was going to say there's other tinctures that, um, are have coriander and, and, um, and cilantro in them that can be helpful for vaccine detox as well. Right. Yes. Yep. Those are going to be some good binders. Cilantro obviously has a really good affinity for mercury. Um, and so, yeah. And so that brings up to the next point is, uh, binders are crucial. We, yeah. we talk about opening drainage pathways and we talk about binders. And so, uh, for opening drainage pathways, we're, we're talking about the same stuff. We're talking about methylation. We're talking about glutathione. Uh, I like to use um, Mangista Supreme, which Mangista is an herb from India that helps lymphatic flow. Because the whole thing about drainage essentially is getting your lymph flowing and right. then getting your gallbladder dumping. Like those are the probably the two yeah. most important things uh, for uh, for drainage opening. What else do you use for for drainage opening? With children, I really love castor oil packs. Um, I'll be the the one that keeps repeating that. Um, and so Queen of Thrones has a really great one. Um, and you start really slowly and it's super helpful. Um, or even for like little ones, like doing castor oil abdominal massage um, yep. can be a really great way. You just want to go clockwise towards the right of the belly. Um, and then I, I love like jumping on trampoline, being outside in the sun, Epsom salt baths um, cod liver oil, or like a little bit of MCT oil and smoothies to help with bowel movements, or there's some herbal yeah. that I like to help with bowel movements, make sure they're having good bowel movements. Um, and basically that. sweating, as you said, yeah. like basically get them so sweating. Sauna, that brings up a good point. You know, I, I think sauna is like one of those things that like in children, like you don't, but for adults, definitely, if you've had a vaccination, a infrared sauna, we both, I use Therisage. I think you've talked about it or done other saunas um yep. but there are definitely a lot of benefits to sweating out these things for children what are your thoughts on sauna and children that's like one of those topics that like you're not supposed to do it but yeah is it really um, that dangerous no I, an infrared sauna i'm totally good with i don't use a whole bunch of dry saunas um i infrared penetrates much deeper into the muscle tissue okay. releasing uh, toxins more efficiently. I'm okay. I would just do less, you know, they're little humans. So I would just go at a less time um, yeah, throughout the week. Yeah. So like, I would say for a few minutes at a time at mm -hmm. like, start like at like a hundred degrees. Um, yep. like you don't, and then, um, you know, and it can just be a fun little thing for a few minutes. You don't, you want to know like how they're feeling, obviously replacing minerals after sauna is super important because they, you are sweating, but like yep. if, think about it. If they're running around outside in, in 95 degree weather, like they're really hot. We get, everyone gets so worried because, Oh, aren't they too hot? Well, aren't you running around outside 95 degree weather and sweating? It right. <laughs> like, right. It's like, it's like, go tell that to, you know, a five-year-old running around in this mid July in Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, I, I think that they're obviously caution, like, don't just go crazy with it. You yep. can't overheat the body. Um, heat stroke does happen, but just to be mindful of it and like, say, Hey, like a few minutes in the sauna is especially during illness is definitely not going to be something that, um, I don't think is harmful as long as the, the child is tolerating it well. Yes. So that is some great ways to open drainage pathways, get lymph flowing, uh, we talked binders, uh, we talked cilantro. I really like, uh, Takasumi Supreme, which is a carbonized bamboo root. Um, some people will use bentonite clay. It's harder to find bentonite clay. I feel like these days. Um, but if you can find it, it can do really, really well. Um, some people really like diatomaceous earth. I am not a diatomaceous earth fan. Um, Why I think that, that 
because I think that I've never tested a sample that wasn't contaminated with something it was pulling. So I would find that there was aluminum or something. I think that's important to note because I see so many people like really loving diatomaceous earth. And I'm just like, no, like that's just, it just, I don't, I think that the sourcing of these things are really important. Absolutely. And, and by nature, um, binders, you have to get a really good source because they are meant to bind stuff up. So they're very easy to pull stuff from the environment. And uh, that's why we use only certain, t uh, certain uh, companies and, and things like that. So again, I haven't really found a great diatomaceous earth. Um, all right. So we got drainage open. We got binders. Now let's just talk about the mechanism that we're trying to do. So we talked about the cell membrane being ripped open. So we got to replace essential fats because essential fats are what build every single cell in your body. That's why it's when we talk about statins and things like that, and it reduces your cholesterol, your cells are made of cholesterol. And so it's not a good idea to reduce the uh, precursor to what builds and replaces each and every one of your cells. So cod liver oil, great for the cell membrane. However, let's take it a step further. Metals are minerals and they will displace your minerals that you need. So Lauren, talk to us about which metals displace which nutrients or, or which minerals and we'll go from there. Yeah. So manganese is replaced by nickel in the body magnesium, which we, I mean, I talk, I talk a lot about magnesium and magnesium is replaced by aluminum, which yes. we all know are in some of these vaccines. Um, and that's a big contributing factor for Alzheimer's and for dementia in general. Like I just cannot harp that enough. Like the exposures we have as a child and leading, you know, growing up that will impact our risk for Alzheimer's, um, as, as we get older. And remember uh, before you keep going, that's a great point. Um, when we were talking about flu shots, and we said that the flu shot has 25 micrograms of mercury. And one of the immunogeneticists said that people who get routine flu shots have 10 times the amount of risk of developing Alzheimer's. Now, some people will say that aluminum is up to 80 times more toxic for brain tissue than mercury is. Wow. Wow. I mean, it's just. And then they they'll say like, well, it's a different type of aluminum. This this type of aluminum actually gets is actually um, fine in the body. And it's like there's no there is no bio lot. There's no need for an aluminum in the body at all. There's That's no right. need in the body. So like, there's no way that it's not getting stored somewhere in the body. Um, I'm glad I'm glad you said that because one of the things that the other side will say is that if you do a blood test uh, pre and post vaccine you'll find that the mercury and the aluminum is excreted out of the blood. Well, the issue is it gets soaked up by your nervous tissue, by your brain tissue. So it's, it's not a good test to find because you're not excreting it. You're storing it. Right, right, right. And that's why iodine, like, this is a totally different thing, but like, that's why iodine, you can't, you can't ex like test for it in the blood necessarily and get a good level. You have right. to do a, a urine 24 hour urine test. And even then it's like, you have to do a, um, um, Oh, I'm thinking the wrong word. Anyways, you have, you, you can't just test the blood and expect to find some of these things. That's and right. And so they, they'll say, oh, well, that means that it's fine. Well, no, that not necessarily. Um, zinc is replaced by cadmium. And, um, also we were talking about mercury it's replaced by mercury. Um, low zinc is a big factor. So think about this. If you don't have enough zinc or B vitamins, cause you're not methylating well, 
then you don't have enough stomach acid. So this is going to create a perfect situation for picky eating, um, which yep. is just going to make the situation worse. How many picky eaters do you know? Like there, my and my these were my children. Like I, 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 my children were definitely picky eaters. They still have their moments because I'm still bringing them out of that. But I'm telling you, there are certain things that if you can put get some nutrients on board, it can make all the difference for that type of situation. Um, yep. They just normalize it. Well, kids are just picky eaters. Well, I don't know. Were they always picky eaters? Like when my mom grew up on a farm, was she a picky eater? I don't think so. And so it's just something you have to really consider. Like this is normal, but really is it? Um, right. And then calcium is replaced by lead in the body um, as well. Yep. So we need to have these, these minerals, which are so depleted from our soils already. We have to get our children and us repleting these uh, to help stop our receptors from pulling on heavy metals to replace the deficiencies of them. Um, and then on the flip side, remember, I always say that toxicity creates deficiency. Well, these metals are what clog the receptors. So then you'll never absorb them anyway. So it is a two lane highway and we have to do both simultaneously. Yes, um, so one note is that it clouds the receptors. And so like, if, even if you're supplementing or taking a food with it, you may not be able to even use it. That's yes. right. Yeah. And I mean, and we talk about uh, the other one I talk about a lot is estrogen dominance. So much estrogen clogs our own estrogen receptors. So it's the same concept. We're just talking metals and minerals now. Yep. Yep. Um, and so uh, just to recap, because I think that is the main stuff is we want to get uh, drainage pathways open with some of the stuff that we mentioned. Yeah. We want to um, make sure that we're taking binders uh, around the time that we get any type of vaccine or as soon as we find out that we need it. Mm -hmm. um, we want to replace our glutathione and our uh, antioxidants just for inflammation purposes. And we want to make sure we have good uh, central fats. We like cod liver oil and we like um, good minerals uh, as well. Um, one thing I will add is because the new vaccine that everyone talks about is the COVID vaccine, I will add two things generally to that. I will add something called Shisandra Supreme, which is a liver berry that also helps produce glutathione. Um, and it also helps regulate your stress hormone cortisol. Um, and then I will add Dan Shen, which is red sage. And because that helps break down um, fibrin and things in the blood and keep the blood flowing, because we know that that vaccine has a lot to do uh, with spike protein going after heart tissue and blood clotting. And so I will add in Shisandra and Dan Shen. Sometimes I'll add in one called Glypho X, which is actually for glyphosate, but it does help with spike protein stuff. That, uh, that makes me wonder, has oh yeah, glyphosate in the vaccines? I could imagine. Okay. I wonder if that's ever been looked at. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I mean, there's glyphosate and so much stuff. I, I would imagine if they did the yeah. laboratory test for it, they would find traces of it. Okay. All right. So All right. that's what I will do. Um, I think we covered everything. There's one yeah. other, one last thing I will mention. There is a technology that I use with a lot of my vaccine injured children in California. It's called SRT technology, sympathetic resonance technology. And I'm actually going to be uh, talking about it tonight on a live. I'm going to do a little bonus topic on it. And it's basically a little machine, a little device that's the size of a Game Boy. And when you turn it on, it offshoots 108 primal frequencies. And I liken, I liken it to stem cell frequency. And I would put, I'd have these uh, kids do this technology and watch lives change. 
And that created a whole buzz in the vaccine injured community in Southern California. So we started getting so many people coming to use this technology. Um, and the whole thing of what it's doing is it's just balancing the energy of the body. It's just giving the body enough energy at the mitochondrial level to help the constitution of these children and these people who need to detox and need to do all these things. But there's so much toxicity in our world that sometimes it's very hard for people. So that was one of the other technologies that I feel like if I didn't mention it, I'd be doing a great disservice because I, I it was probably the number one thing I saw in practice uh, create miracles. So let's talk about that for one quick second. Frequencies yep. in the body. When you mm -hmm. hear frequency, some people kind of go like, that sounds a little like woo-woo. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Tell, explain a little bit about that because it's not woo-woo. There's science to it. No, yeah. So, I mean, e everything that we do is frequency-based. Everything. Yeah. And that's even Einstein said the future of medicine is frequency. Nikola Tesla was on to it, obviously. And that's why they were yeah. like, yeah, we're going to uh, not go with your stuff. We're going to go with whoever, Thomas Edison or whatever at the time. Um, and so if you can change frequency, then you can manifest reality. And so what I mean by that is if you are doing action steps, if you are all these supplements that we're talking about, they all vibrate a certain frequency yeah. and that frequency will cancel out toxic frequencies. So like, like a High mercury frequency is health, low frequency is. Yes. Sick. Yeah. So but think like, of, like, yeah. like, think about this, like mercury, we talk about mercury it vibrates at a certain Hertz, which is a frequency. Yep. And what displaces mercury is zinc, which would have a similar but opposite frequency that will help okay. displace it. So it's all about the harmony. Okay. okay. And so what this SRT technology is, is a little sound, a little chipboard in this little plastic, little square looking thing. That's why I call it like a Game Boy. And it was developed by a musician who understood frequencies and the music and, and all that, that all goes together. Yeah. And what happens is you just turn it on and it offshoots healthy um, primal frequencies, which is the frequency of the earth, the air, the ocean, the forest, all of that. So it's literally like, I say it's like grounding you so significantly, but what it's doing is when you wear it, your body has no choice, but to sing back at that frequency. It's similar to when females live together, they menstruate together. Yeah, when, yeah. when clocks are in the same room and they have pendulums, they can start at two different um, speeds. And then over time, they will start swinging together. Yeah. If you, if you do one uh, piano string and the ones next, next to it will start going at the same frequency oftentimes. And so what we're doing is that, but we're doing it on the human body. And yeah. so it is very, um, not well known, but it is a phenomenal technology. It's amazing. And are you going to tell them on that live, um, how to find or how to access that? Yeah, it's, it's, okay. you can go to, you can go to CRAwellness.com and there's a whole information about it. Um, and I will talk about it on that live too. Okay. And that'll be on his page. Um, that I'm sure the, the live video will be saved so you can go. And oh, yeah. that. Um, and that's Dr. Charlie DC underscore 2.0. That's I'm right. Nurse mama at, uh, on Instagram as well. Um, okay. So we're talking about harmonizing the body. We're not talking, I mean, and, and like, cause there are going to be things that we're still going to be exposed to. Mm -hmm. Um, and it like we're aluminum in the air, uh, like there is, it's, it's going to happen. So we're talking about harmonizing the body, harmonizing your body, the frequency of it. And so I think that's a super great point to make is that we're still going to have exposures. You're still going to have toxin exposures. And these are some of the good tools to help detox. I mean, to help with the body in general. 
So we're not yeah. talking about anything crazy. Glutathione is one of those massive tools that a lot of people use um, and things that will help support glutathione so that your body makes it itself. Um, there is so much you can do. You don't necessarily need to do all of it, um, but it's something that like to things to think about. Okay, well, he mentioned this. Well, and using this as a jumping off point to do some research and say, okay, he mentioned this. How, how, let me look into this further and then say, okay, well, maybe I will try um, some of this or something. You know, this helps to increase glutathione in the body. And so using these as a jumping off tool, obviously discussing with your provider, this is definitely meant to be educational <laughs> and it's not specific medical advice um, for you or your child. Um, but these are things that he has found clinically that have been helpful um, for his patients and, and, and definitely things that um, I have seen um, would resonate with a lot of this is that, um, you know, these things are, they do have metals. There are things that we can do to help bring them up out of the body. Yes. And the last thing I will say before we close out is remember we are goldfish in a very dirty tank that we can't clean the tank. So we just do the best we can with our internal, uh, constitution against that dirty tank. And so it is not about perfection. It's about progress. Just every day, try to do something better than you did yesterday in your health and you'll watch miracles happen. Yeah, I firmly, I was not three years ago, even I was not where I am today. Yep. And, and I will tell you the difference I feel in my health, the difference I see in my children is phenomenal. And so yeah. what you, it doesn't matter where you are. It only matters that you are taking baby steps to get to where you can be, you know, where you are in three years or four years. And so that's all that matters. All right. Yep. This was great. I think it was a good way to give actionable steps, um, you know, not fear-based and really empowering for our parents and or patients themselves that they have had previous vaccines and they want to think about how to support their body. So I appreciate that. All right, Charlie, I think we are done. All right, I'll see y'all next week. All right, bye-bye.